Welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for today. If you want more information about Miami Church or would love to get connected, email us at hello at mammychurch.com. Without further ado, here's the message. Enjoy! Happy New Year, everyone! Thank you, man. Welcome back. January 8th, 2023. Can you believe it? We made it. Another year, another year behind us. But I know, and I'm sure for many of you, 2022 had its challenges. As a matter of fact, I do know because I read your prayer request and we pray over those. As Greg said, we so value your prayer request. All right. Also, I always encourage people, I like to hear your yay God stories. I want to know where God's active, where you're seeing him in your life, right, where he is answering prayer. So please, fill out the cards or, man, send us an email uh, at any time, right? We would love to be praying for you or someone you know um, at any time. It's a question for you all. Um, How many of you have made a New Year resolution, New Year's resolution? Awesome, Alpha. Thank you. You're the only one in two gatherings that raised their hand. George half raised his hand, so half, half. (laughs) Half in, half out. Okay. How about in the past? Have any of you done this before? Like, right? Hands up. Keep them up. How many succeeded? Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, you're in good company. All right? You're in good company. Um, most of us make resolutions. Very common is, or, or, or two, as January approaches, and while most of us probably don't stick to them, for more than a couple weeks anyway, it's a long-standing tradition that we don't seem to want to part with. Whether you stick to your resolutions or not, it's a quirky tradition that dates back thousands of years with serious symbolic meaning for most ancient civilizations. The concept of New Year's resolutions believed to date back to the Babylonian times, 4,000 years ago, roughly. Their New Year was in mid-March when they celebrated the planting of their crops. New Year was a 12-day religious festival known as Akitu. And in this time, the people would either crown a new king or reaffirm and profess their loyalty to the reigning king. The resolution element came in the form of a recommitment to their gods. Babylonian people would make promises to their gods to return borrowed items or to pay outstanding debts. If they kept to their word, their gods would then grant them favor or luck in the coming year. But if they didn't stick to their promises, they would fall out of favor with their gods. At least this is what they believed. A little more intense when you say than eating or um, giving up chocolate cake, right, for a little while. After the Babylonians, the next recorded civilization shows similar interests and resolutions at the beginning of a new year were the Romans. And if anybody needed change, it was the Romans, right? (laughs) In 46 BC, Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar, not seizure, Caesar, like the salad, right? Established January 1st as the beginning of the new year. January is actually named after a Roman god, Janus. Janus's spirit was also known to or believed to inhabit doorways and arches. Romans also believed Janus could look back into the previous year and forward into the future. With this in mind, they would offer sacrifices and promises to Janus for the upcoming year. Early Christians followed the same tradition of using the New Year as a time to reflect on the past, but also to look forward. 
It was a chance to consider past mistakes and look for ways to amend and improve in the coming year. Many modern New Year's resolutions appear to date back to the 19th century. The first recorded use of the phrase New Year resolution was found in a Boston newspaper in 1813, and it said the following, And yet, I believe there are multitudes of people accustomed to receive injunctions of the New Year resolutions who will sin all month of December with a serious determination of beginning the new year with new resolutions and new behavior and with the full belief that they shall thus expiate, which I had to look that word up. It simply means to atone for, to, to make amends. Who doesn't need to do that in the new year? And wipe away all their former faults. So, how many of us ate, drank, or spent too much over the holidays? Yeah. Oh, wow, some of you answered. You didn't have to, but appreciate it. So does anyone else here feel the need to expiate? Right? Wipe away our former faults. Stop an old habit or maybe start a new one. It's probably no surprise, but the most common New Year's resolutions today, according to several articles that I read, revolve around things like weight loss, quitting smoking, drinking less, or stopping drinking altogether. Not water, right? Um, exercising more or just starting to exercise. Spending less, saving more. Sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. And I would probably add social media to the list, right? Many of us know Facebook, Insta, and Twitter have become a borderline addiction or a compulsive behavior for many of us. At a minimum, many of us need to throttle back our social media time, amen? Yeah. This, I'm sure, will come as no surprise either, but unfortunately, it's a show of hands, <laughs> a 2007 study at the University of Bristol found that 88% of New Year resolutions fail. So why? Why do so many of us fail? I don't think it's for a lack of motivation. I believe we all have the best intentions. But the truth is, change is hard. As much as we hate to admit it, we like our habits, our addictions, and our compulsive behaviors. Chocolate cake is good. Alcohol is good. Nicotine is good. Sloth is good. Buying the latest overpriced Apple product makes me feel good. <laughs> I've got two of them right here. I don't have the watch, though. Not, I'm not giving in and buying the watch. Now, look, I love me some chocolate cake. As I said, I have these Apple products sitting up here, and I can be found smoking a good cigar from time to time at the behest of my beautiful wife. However, the reason so many of us make New Year's resolutions is because we, like the early Christians, the Romans, and the Babylonians, realize we are powerless over our bad habits, addictions, and compulsive behaviors. And part of our lives have become unmanageable. Why? Why do so many of us find ourselves trapped or stuck? Because we're weak? Yes, but no. It's something much greater than that. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking 
for someone to devour. Look, if we believe in the God of the Bible, the author and perfecter of our life, the creator of the universe, we know there is an equal and opposing force out there looking to wreck us. The reality is for many of us, until the pain to stay the same becomes greater than the pain to change, we'll never change. And unfortunately for many, the pain is never great enough. They become stuck, trapped, a slave to their habits, addictions, and compulsive behaviors. I read an article in preparation for this message, and it said people with the most success in achieving their New Year's resolution can attribute it to something they called stimulus control. This was to remind them why they decided to start or stop a behavior. Stimulus control. Think of a picture. Picture of your kids. Right? Awesome. It's the best I could find, but Gabby, your son's much cuter than them. But I didn't have a picture of him, and I didn't think to ask. Um, the idea here is you want to improve your situation for the well-being of others, for your family, for your children. Noble, right? Noble cause. Now, I don't want to totally poo-poo this idea, and I'm sure this method has worked for some, but I seriously doubt it's long-term success for the masses. As an ask any addict, ask any addict if stimulus control ever kept them from falling back into their old habits. No. Long-time sustained sobriety requires something much, much greater. It's like what I like to call replacement therapy. The idea here is if we don't replace our love or desire for our habit, addiction, or compulsive behavior with a love or a desire for something much greater, we'll never find true freedom from our bad habits, our addictions, and our compulsive behaviors. We'll never experience the life Jesus promises in John 10, 10, where he says, I come to give you life, abundant life. See, the issue with our struggles is one of the heart. It's a heart issue. No amount of willpower or abstinence has the staying power we need to rid ourselves of our bad habits, addictions, and compulsive behaviors. Actually, you've probably heard the saying, abstinence makes the heart grow fonder. Abstinence does not work. Trying to muscle through it is futile. So many experience short-term relief, but not long-term success. If we desire long, sustainable change in our lives, we need to address the heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And pause for a second. Parents, don't tell your kids to follow their hearts. <laughs> God gave them something much more powerful right between these ears. Teach them to think critically, right? Teach them to love Jesus. Heart change is the real cure we seek. In the, in the remainder of our time, I want us to take a look at a story we find in the book of Luke. Luke was a doctor and writer of one of the four Gospels. The Gospels are simply the story of Jesus' life, life, death, resurrection. Um, it's going to be in Luke 11, and we're going to read through 
verses 14 through 28. They're found on page 624. Um, or if you have the Bible app, you can pull that out as well. Luke 11, 14 through 28. And here at Miami Church, one of our core values is Bible engagement. If you want to get to know God and be in a relationship with him, you need to know him. And the best way to know him is in his word. Right? We believe that the Bible is living and active. The Bible says sharper than a two-edged sword. This is where we hear from God. So what I'm going to do is, I'm not going to put a few of the verses up on the screen, uh, but I'm going to encourage you to, to read along with me. One day, Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak, and when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I am empowered, empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your exorcist? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me Anyone who opposes me, anyone with, who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So what's going on here? Jesus cast out demons, right? He's doing miracles. People are going, ah, oh, really? Where do you get that power from, right? They're questioning him. Oh, show us more. <laughs> Always more, and I'll, I'll believe then, Jesus. And then Jesus throws down some truth on him to the point where he claims to be God, or at least has the power of God, right, to cast out demons, to do miracles. I want us to spend the remainder of our time looking at verses 24 and 26. Um, and we'll put those up on the screen, because I really want everyone to, to see these and to, to focus on them. Okay, verse 24 says this. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, searching rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. If you don't catch it, the home is where the heart is, right? He's talking about the heart. It's a heart issue. A month or two ago, I was reading through these passages with a group of men that I am in a Bible study with, and I did something that I want to encourage each of us to do. We do this in our neighborhood team. We encourage our neighborhood teams to do this. But to read the passage in more than one version, okay? It's very interesting when you hear the different... It's, it's all the same story, but they choose different ways to, to kind of tell the story, use some different language or different words. 
Um, so in this time, as people were talking, I'm like, okay, let me look. I looked up, I went through the message. I don't like say, hey, always use it, but it's kind of fun. If you look at it, you'll see it's entertaining, as you'll see in, in a minute. Um, lo and behold, the message added one word that blew me away. None of the other versions had this, not the NIV, ESV, the NLT, which we're reading here. It included this one word. Here's the message version. When a corrupting spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis. Some unsuspecting soul, it can bedevil. Love that, right? It's going to bedevil us. He's crafty. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt. Love this. But on return, it finds the person swept and dusted, right? Just, just like the other word, like the NLT says. But here's the word. Vacant. Comes back and finds a vacancy. Man, how true this is. How do I know it's true? It's my story. And it's a story of multiple men that I've counseled over the past 15 years in vocational ministry. A few years back, I met a young man who had just recently come out of the world of addiction. To his credit, he quit cold turkey under his own power, no AA or NA. He started attending church, and he even joined into a small group. As Scripture instructs us to do, he got accountable. He confessed his sins to God and to someone he trusted. That comes out of 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. My friend was baptized. He made a conscious, full-faith effort to turn his will over to the care of God. Yay, God. That's a God story, right? On the outside, he had gotten himself cleaned up. His house was swept clean, and it was put in order. But what? Vacant. Still vacant. He continued attending church and his small group, or we call our neighborhood teams here. But a little less frequently, he found himself in a new relationship with his soulmate. He had a good job, lived in a nice apartment. He and his soulmate even decided to shack up together in his nice new apartment. But guess what happened? You know what happened. The rest of the story. Yeah, just like Jesus warns us in the parable, that evil spirit returned, but he brought seven of his friends, and as it says, much worse than even him. And when I say moved in, man, I mean moved in. They brought back all his heart's desires and then some. He would later admit to me when he reflects back, he realized he had, in, in his words, one foot in and one foot out. He gave up using drugs, but he thought it was okay to have a drink every now and again until it wasn't and he was experiencing blackout um, uh, drinking events. What harm was there in watching porn? What happened here? My friend lost his why. Or as Craig Rochelle, a pastor, you know, Greg and I know um, and truly respect, is an amazing leader, um, pastor, 
I was at a conference one time, and uh, he was speaking. I don't remember the entire, entirety of his talk, but I remember one thing that sticks to me to this day. In talking about his own struggles in the past, he said, you know what? I lost my first love. At which point I was like, oh, because that's where I was. Broke down, man, I'm crying. What was Craig saying? What happened to my friend? We, we all lost our first love. Or the reality is never truly found him. The reality is my friend got his house swept and clean. But he never replaced his love for the trappings of this world with a much greater love. A love for Jesus Christ. So now what? Let's look at the final two verses, 27 and 28. This is where the magic is, okay? You want the answer, the how-to? Here it comes. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, No, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and Obey it. Obey it. In the book of James, James tells us that we shouldn't just listen to God's word, but we should be doers of God's word. It takes action. Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Today, my friend has a year of sobriety under his belt. That's a yay God. He let God transform him into a new person by changing the way he thinks, or as other versions say it, by the renewing of his mind. And by the way, this is a daily process. This guy has a daily routine where he re the renewing of his mind. Daily time with God, daily time in God's word. He changed his thinking. He became more others-focused and not so inwardly focused. He realized his life is not his own, that it was purchased with a price. Who was he to live so selfishly? He started attending church again, faithfully, sometimes more than once on a Sunday. He's a glutton for punishment. No, he got plugged in serving and attending a small group. Actually, he went to several small, goes to several small groups and actually serves in multiple ministries in, the, in his church. Like I told you, he's a glutton for punishment. But in all seriousness, he knew what he needed, or better yet, who he needed. He needed to find his first love. He needed to fill the vacancy in his heart 
with something much greater than booze, women, or porn. So let me ask you a question. Who or what is your first love? Who or what's occupying your heart? Who or in what are you attempting to find joy, peace, and fulfillment? A relationship? Work? Bank account? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll? What are you prioritizing over your personal relationship with the God who made you? We must replace our desire for that which separates us from God. Our guilty habits, our selfish pleasures, and our compulsive behaviors with a love for the one who conquered death. The one who took on the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, past, present, and future. I'm going to conclude with this. Pastor, a friend of mine who's in Tampa, um, his name's Brian Sanders, um, started a church years ago called the Underground, Tampa Underground. Amazing project, just doing amazing ministry um, in the Tampa area. Now it's kind of gone worldwide. Um, he actually wrote a book called The Underground. It's a pretty cool read if you wanted to check it out. He wrote this on his Facebook page on uh, January 1st. He said, there was really only one resolution with eternal significance. He said, seek his face. Whose face? God's face. Seek his face. And then he proceeded to put, uh, write Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3, where it says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his path. So in 2023, let us be people who seek the face of God and choose to obey him. Why? Because he's worth it, and he deserves it. It's time we all hang a no-vacancy sign on our hearts. much for listening today we would love to hear from you you can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at also be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations i hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey